Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located on the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us to continue to bring the message of Jesus Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. Good morning, church. Welcome. We're excited to worship with you this morning. I've been reading in the book of Exodus and just talking about the, the Israelite people as they're coming out of Egypt. And in the story, I just wanted to pick it up briefly, is when they're coming out of Egypt and Pharaoh changes his mind and he sends an army after them. He sends 600 chariots plus an entire army after the Israelite people. And they say to Moses, weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave? It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. And this was Moses' response. Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. So I wanna worship, I wanna praise from that place knowing that he can do what he says he can do and he will deliver us if we just be calm. So let's praise him in confidence this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your rescue. We thank you that you care enough about us to fight on our behalf. And so we give you all the praise, we give you all the honor, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's go.
Do you feel that? Like, do you feel that? Worship is such a beautiful exchange of like giving all we have, laying all that down, getting past the circumstances in your own life, just to lift up, lift up praise to Him. It's like we're just offering Him our heart. And I feel like, I was like, when, when I'm praying for people, when I'm, when I'm thinking about just like what God wants to do, a phrase that I heard a pastor say once that just hits me is just like, just ask, what is love saying? Like, what is love saying? Because that's what's God saying. As I was, I was down here and I was doing worship, I was just asking God, like, what, what is love saying? And I feel like he just said, here's my heart. It's got this image of us just like trying to exchange our hearts. The Bible talks about our heart can be full of deceit and our heart can be full of turmoil. And we just give him our heart and he gives us his. What's his heart full of? What's it filled with? Hope and love and joy and adoration. And, and yes, I mean, that's what he's filled with. I feel like he wants to, he, he just wants to exchange hearts. So Jesus, right now, we just stand here, God. First of all, humbled and honored that you would wanna change, trade hearts with us. That you would take our burden, you would take our sorrow, our circumstances, our perspective. God, and we, we take that from our chest and we just offer it up to you. And God, we just receive your heart for us, your love, Father, for your children, your, your spirit, Jesus, for your followers. God, we just receive that. We thank you so much for it. And I pray that as we receive your heart, you prepare our hearts, you prepare our minds, you prepare our souls for what you want to do. We want to be influenced by your thoughts, by your decisions, by what you want for us. So Father, we open ourselves up to you declaring you as holy, declaring you as worthy, declaring you as number one. So thank you, God, for the exchange. Thank you, God, for your heart. I myself no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So I live by life by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We love you, Jesus. We thank you in your heavenly name, amen. Come on, give another shout of praise to him. He is good. He's so good. He's so good. Whew. All right, look at somebody next to you and just say, get him, God. Get him. Say hello to him. Find your seat if you're here in the room. For those of you that are tuning in online with us, thank you so much for hanging out with us on this Sunday. We know that there's a lot of people gone for different trips and things like that. So please, please let us know where you're watching from. We love to interact with you. If you're online and you need some prayer, navigate yourself over to our website. We'd love to be able to pray with you. We have someone online right now that's willing to do that, that wants to do that. Um, so please just connect with us, engage with us during service. We'd love to hear your perspective, hear your story a little bit. Uh, so engage and interact with us, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube or our website, welcome. For those of you that may call yourselves uh, new here at Fellowship, or maybe you just wanna learn a little bit more, you've been attending for a little bit and you're ready to reach out, 
Get your smartphones out and text the word fellowship to 94,000. As soon as you do that, you get a direct link to our new to fellowship form where once you fill that out, you get in touch with a staff member throughout the week. You get an invitation to our guest reception, which is happening today. Um, and if you're in person and new, drop by the info center. We'd love to hear your story, meet you, hang out with you, give you a free gift in a gift bag, as well as a specialty drink from our bookstore. And of course, invite you to the guest reception as well. We're going to continue the worship of our great God through the giving of tithes and offerings. Uh, there are a lot of different ways that you can give. You can scan the code. You can also text to give. We have offering boxes that are here in the lobby, as well as drop by during the week. We'd love to be able to see you, hear your story, and also pray with you during the week. As I was thinking about, God, what do you want me to say about giving and things like that this morning? I was just, I, well, what was brought back to my mind was something that happened just last weekend. My family and I, um, on Memorial Day, we went up to Rifle Falls, which I had not been since I was a kid. I grew up in Eagle and Gypsum, and that was like the Boy Scout thing to do is go up to Rifle Gap and camp and stuff. And so I was like, let's go. My kids are young. Waterfalls are really cool for them still. And so we went up there. My son, he's three. My daughter's six. And it's, I mean, it snowed on us. And then it was so hot, we were sweating. It was Colorado in the spring is what it was. And when we were up there, I love, my son is just awesome because right now he's in this phase where he just is so matter of fact. He will just tell you exactly the way it is. And so we were hiking up to the falls and there's like this canal that just has not a waterfall, but like a pretty steep section. And he's like, oh, the waterfall. It's just a canal. And my daughter's like, it's just a canal. And, but he goes, but water is falling. <laughs> I'm like, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And then we're in the caves. We're exploring the caves as a family. And I'm like, let's see what it's like when it's all dark. And we, and we turn our, our, our flashlights off our phones all the way off. And like, it's pitch black, right? We're in a cave. And Ruby goes, Liam, where are you? And he goes, in the dark? <laughs> yes, you're not wrong. Again, you're not wrong. It's just so matter of fact. And so when I'm thinking about just some just some commands from scripture, some things that Jesus says to us, uh, Paul is quoting Jesus in Acts and he says, it's, better to give than to receive. And it's just this matter of fact statement. And I was like, man, if my son like had that down, he'd just be like, here you go, here you go, here you go. And it's just this generous heart is what is manifested from just a matter of fact thing like that. And so I was just, that was brought to my heart and my mind today when I was just thinking about just what financial breakthrough looks like in our lives and how matter of fact God's promises are. I'm just like, it's better to give than to receive. And so I hope that blesses you. And I wanna be able to pray for you if you are in a financial breakthrough of any kind, as well as pray over our offerings today, um, because you guys matter. And I know that God cares about every single one of us. So Jesus, Lord, thank you for just your matter of factness, God, for that you, that you just love us and, and, and you're, you're wanting to provide for us. So Father, we just, we just ask you to just bless all the offerings, all the gifts that are coming in um, this morning, throughout the week. God, I just pray that if there's any family in financial need and breakthrough that you just move in their hearts, move in their, in their walks and just pour out that blessing on them. Lord, we love you, we trust you, and we thank you in your heavenly name, amen. Well, there's a lot of stuff going on this summer here at Fellowship. Here are a few of them. Summer, summer, summer time. We are so excited to be kicking off 4640 Outdoors. What that means is our middle school and high school services are going to be combined throughout the summer on Wednesday nights at 6.30. We'll meet in the normal space, have a time of worship and an incredible message, and then we'll be headed outside for that night's epic activity. 
Each week will be different and we'll be reminding you through social media posts so that your student can come prepared to have the maximum amount of fun. Also, if you'd like a whole schedule of the whole month, those printouts are available at the information counter. It's gonna be a blast! We are all about connecting the unconnected and growing closer to God together. And we're really excited to be moving all of our communication over to texting. We wanna make sure that everyone feels connected and knows what's going on from week to week. Whether it's a reminder for an event or keeping you in the loop for activities, this will be our new church-wide messaging system. We're gonna be sending out a text this afternoon to everyone that has already subscribed or signed up in the past. If you're not sure and you would like to receive text reminders, send the message text FC to 94000. We respect and appreciate every single person. If you receive these texts and would like to opt out, you can always reply stop to the same number. Again, this is a great way to make sure everyone's connected and know what's going on here at Fellowship. Next week is baptism. If you have not taken this step in your journey with Christ, this is the weekend to do so. We still have some spots open and would love to lead and celebrate this very special moment for you and your family. Sign up today and invite your friends and family next week for baptism. If you wanna catch up on any of our announcements, everything will be available through fellowshipgj.com events. And you can see everything that's going on. Hey, I just want to remind you that God is on your side and he has something in store for you today. Check out this special and soak up these truths and promises that he has for your life. Never have, never
son was two years old, he had this strange habit. I would serve him breakfast, and he'd gobble down his food, and then he'd take the very last bite of, say, the Eggo waffle, and he'd put it in the palm of his hand, and he'd make a fist. And then he would go about his day, ride his tricycle, swing on the swing set, play in the sandbox, whatever it took, until I served him lunch. Then he would open up his fist, take out his last bite of breakfast, and eat it, before he'd touch his lunch. Then at the end of lunch, he would do the exact same thing. He'd take his last bite, and he'd put it in his fist, and he'd hold onto it until dinner. And then he'd open it up, take his last bite, and start dinner. And one day my husband said, Judah, why are you, what's in your hands? And Judah said, that's my little guy. I'm saving him for later. And it was as if Judah knew that he had to hold on, that he might need some strength later on in the journey of his day, and he just had to hold on. And the Bible tells us to hold on in Hebrews 10. It says, let us hold resolutely to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. God made us promises. There are over 3,000 promises in the Bible, and many of them have a condition, and that condition often is hold on, have faith, trust. But God is instructing us that if we want to tap in to the promises that he has for us in, our, in his word, we have to hold on. I kind of wonder how many promises God has set aside for me. Like, are there, is there like a pile of presents somewhere in heaven that's just filled with promises? Like, this one's for provision. That one's for JL. This one's, this one's for healing. That's for peace that passes understanding. Like, there's just piles of gifts with my name on it that are promises that if I'll just trust that he'll give them to me. And I wonder what will happen when I get to heaven. In my mansion, will there be like a closet? And then, you know, after 100 years of exploring, I'm like, what's in this thing? And I open it up, and there inside is, is all the promises I never tapped into. All the things God would have done for me, could have done for me, was ready to do on my behalf, but because I never held on to his promise and never asked him, they're just waiting up there. Let's go back to this verse again. Hebrews 10, it says, Let us hold resolutely to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Who's the one who promised here? God. God promised, and God is absolutely faithful. The promises we're talking about today aren't promises from your sketchy brother-in-law that have to do with his latest scheme, and he hopes he's going to be able to pull it off. The promises are made to us by our God, who is faithful, who comes through, whose, whose resources are unlimited, whose character is rock solid. I love how the psalmist says it in Psalm 138. It says, I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness. For your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. Promises are backed by all the honor of God's own name. This morning, we're beginning a two-part series on the promises of God. And we're going to take this series through some of the biggest promises God makes for us in the Bible. And we're going to make it really personal. So three promises this morning and three more next week. First promise is, I will fight for you. God makes that promise to us. He says, I will fight for you. In Exodus 14, 14, it says, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. The NLT, the New Living Translation says, only need to be calm. Now, personally, I think that's risky language to say be calm. Have you ever tried to say be calm to a woman? Pro tip, 
we do not like it. So, but the Bible somehow it kind of gets away with it. It says, be calm, be still, let the Lord fight on your behalf. And just like the Lord fought for the Israelites in Exodus 14 when this promise was first made, the Lord is going to fight for us. He's going to take up for us and he's going to go into battle for us. And even if he calls us into action to fight, he's the one giving us the strategy. He's the one giving us the strength and showing us how to go about winning that battle. Every day we will face circumstances that we cannot control. And I, I struggle with recognizing this sometimes. I am not God, he is God. And so I'll find myself riding shotgun in the vehicle of life and lunging across the front seat and trying to wrestle the steering wheel of control away from God's hand. There's something in me that kind of just wants to be in control, but I've had to come to realize I am not God. I am not that smart, I am not that strong. God alone deserves the steering wheel of my life. He alone is able to, to chart my course and know which way I should turn. And sometimes I think if I just have that steering wheel of control, then I'm gonna fix that person or that situation. But usually all that does is delay it. It's almost like God looks down at me like I'm the two-year-old throwing a fit. The two-year-old throwing a fit about how he can't tie her shoes and can't get the shoes on and what's going to, and then just gets mad and arching the back and kicking. And God's just standing there like, are you done yet? Are you done? Because I actually, I know how to do this. And then as soon as I relinquish control, as soon as I back off and I say, no, God is going to fight that battle for me, and I invite God into that process, then all of a sudden I'm tapped in to his help, his strength, his rescuing power. Deuteronomy 33 says, the eternal God is your refuge, and his everlasting arms are under you. He drives out the enemies before you. Isaiah 52 says it similarly. It says, for the Lord will go ahead of you. Yes, the God of Israel will protect you from behind. There's a man I know. And this man uh, received a devastating diagnosis of Becker's muscular dystrophy in May of 2013. And this is an incurable genetic disorder that is absolutely excruciating. And what happens is the muscles cramp up and they cramp up so hard that the muscles actually tear. And after tearing, it's impossible for them to repair themselves at all. Within two months of receiving this diagnosis, he went from working at St. Mary's to mostly wheelchair bounds. He endured seven spinal surgeries and three knee surgeries. But in June of 2019, he was admitted to St. Mary's for 183 days, 86 of which he spent in ICU, 48 on a ventilator. He died twice and was revived. And the anguish and disappointment of this circumstance in his life crushed this man. He was devastated. He was frustrated. He was even angry with God. The situation felt completely hopeless to him. And the doctors were stumped and none of the treatments were working that effectively. Sitting in the hospital bed, he was convinced that he would die without ever leaving that room. Crying. Knowing he was leaving behind his wife who he'd loved since high school and three precious small children. Suddenly in that room, he says, he sensed the Holy Spirit coming in. A peace and a presence ushered into that room and he knew it was the Lord and he, he heard the Holy Spirit challenging him to let go of the fight and to relinquish control to God. 
And as he began to wrestle with that concept, he ultimately stepped aside and invited God to come in and fight the battle on his behalf. He put his trust completely in God and said, no matter what happens, whether I go home or whether I go to heaven, whatever you do with my body, Lord, I trust you. And that's when things got interesting. Things happened fast and it defied logic and it defied medicine. Three weeks later, a biopsy test result came back that was negative for Becker's muscular dystrophy. Well, the doctor, he assumed, of course, that this was a lab error, and so he retested two more times. And because, you know, it's an incurable disease. So after two more negative tests, the doctor literally threw the papers in the air and declared that he had never heard or seen anything like this before. He said that the results were impossible, but the man looked the doctor in the eye and told the doctor that the Lord, for whom nothing was impossible, was fighting his battles now. So, <laughs> since that day, Randy has been living his best life. He, uh, in a short period of time, he was discharged from the hospital. His tracheotomy was removed. The doctors took him off the majority of his medication. He returned home to life with his wife and children. He began to regrow the muscle tissue that the disease had eaten away, and he's walking around normally. He returned to serving in 4640 as he had been before his major hospitalization, and he even went to camp last week with us as a room leader. God said, I will fight your battles for you. God made that promise. First promise, I will fight your battles for you. Second promise, I will hear your prayers. I will hear your prayers. God tells us that he listens. He listens when we pray. Psalm 116 says, I love the Lord because he has heard, hears my voice and my prayers for mercy. Because he bends down to listen. I will pray as long as I have breath. I love this verse. I love it because the imagery that this verse conjures up. Like imagine this, okay, God sits in heaven, right? And the Bible tells us that he's enthroned on a, a giant throne that's carved out of a single pearl that's then overlaid in gold and he's wearing flowing robes of majesty. And so God is in heaven and he's surrounded by angels, cherubim and seraphim, day and night, around the clock, singing his praises. But this verse in Psalm 116 says that God will bend down to hear our requests. So I picture, what is that like? He's on his throne. He must get up off his throne. He must quiet shh, the angels and bend down to hear our requests. Can you imagine that? The almighty God of the universe lowering himself to this posture to bend down, to hear the prayers of who? Some saint? Some super famous person? No, to hear the prayers of his children. You and I, the regular people, he bends down, the Bible says, to hear our prayers. He will listen when we pray. I have to be honest, sometimes I believe the exact opposite, or at least I act like I believe the exact opposite. I act like, well, God's got the whole universe to run. I don't know. He's got time to listen to my problem. I mean, he's got to help Randy and his Becker's muscular dystrophy. I mean, there's some real problems out there. I can't, I can't bother him. And so I act like instead of having a heavenly father, that I have a heavenly absentee father. And I go around conducting myself like I'm an orphan who no one's going to come to my rescue and no one's going to help me. But God said, I bend down 
to hear your prayers. Jesus said it too. In John 14, he says, you can ask anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, when I teach this verse to teenagers, I have to remind them, this does not mean that God is gonna cause you to win the lottery if you play it today. This does not mean you can ask for a new Porsche and it'll just show up in your garage. This means that anything we pray that's in line with the will of God, anything that we pray that's consistent with God's character, that's consistent with his purposes for our life, that he hears that prayer and he answers that prayer. Now, I can't presume to know how he'll answer or when he'll answer, but I can promise you from the word that he will listen. Matthew 7 says this, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on knocking and you will find. Keep on knocking and that door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds and to him, everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You parents, if you have a child who asks for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? I know a woman who at a young age met and married a guy. And she was excited about the marriage, she was excited to be a mother, and it wasn't long into the marriage where she realized the guy she married was not who she thought he was. And it turned out that he was mentally abusive, that he was incredibly manipulative. He would put her down, he sought to control and to dominate her. And after several miscarriages, he drilled into her head that she was not good enough. When she did become a mother, he eventually turned on the children claiming that they were a mistake. And as the abuse began to shift to the children, she knew that she had to file for divorce to protect them. So she prayed. She didn't consider herself incredibly close to God when this divorce happened, but she prayed and she told God that she was lost and confused and that she needed help. And the divorce was grueling and hostile. And loneliness and grief were overwhelming. And many nights, she said, she would cry herself to sleep, just whispering her prayers to God, asking for healing, wholeness, asking for help for her kids, and asking God ultimately someday for another chance at love. After some time, she was invited to a Christmas party, and through some mutual friends, she met Tom. She was a school nurse, and he was in law enforcement. And within a couple weeks of that party, he was sent to her school, and they recognized each other from the party, and so they began to talk. And he, too, had been through a devastating divorce and found himself the single father of two beautiful young children. But as a law enforcement officer, he was in a bind. He kept getting late night shifts and called out through the night and had no safe and appropriate plan for his children. So as their friendship grew, she volunteered to keep his kids for her, him overnight. And she developed a relationship with his two small children. Well, one day, that little girl invited her to church. She said, you should come to church with us. It's really fun there. And so the woman said, all right. And they went to church together. They walked in the front doors of that church and sat together and looked up at the stage. And it was apparently the very beginning of their love and marriage series. And there on the platform was a bed. And so for this not quite dating couple, this was incredibly awkward. Throughout the worship center, the staff had gone around and put little Bible verses out of different things having to do with love and marriage. And in the very chair this woman sat was a verse that said, come away with me, my bride. 
And this poor woman was embarrassed. Dating this man was far from her mind, even though they had a friendship, because of the hurt and the heartache of everything that she'd been through. But she sensed that God was in this somehow. It was almost as if God set them up. God heard the prayers of a broken, desperate woman. He heard the prayers of a broken, lonely man. And he brought the two of them together and played a little bit of matchmaker. And he's way better at it than pastor. So this couple, they continue attending church through the Awkward Marriage series, and a year later, Tom proposes and she accepts, and they get married in the backyard of a friend with the pastor of their new church officiating. Their whole family becomes ba gets baptized on the same day as their wedding because they decide they want a fresh start with God in the center of everything. Years have gone by, and this couple is still very much in love and right here in our church. They've been blessed with many grandchildren and um, the healing of their hearts through this process, and they continue to serve the Lord faithfully together. They know that God has heard the prayers of their broken heart and that he kept his promise to always hear their prayers. So God said, I will fight for you. God said, I will hear your prayers. And thirdly, God said, I have plans for you. I have plans for you. One of the most famous verses in all the Bible, Jeremiah 29 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you future and hope. Now, we don't always know the details of every single thing God has laid out for us, but we know the gist. The gist is they're plans to help us and give us future and a hope. They're not plans for destruction. They're not plans for our harm. And sometimes we envision God up in heaven like plotting against us, but the opposite is really true. God's up in heaven plotting for our good, planning for our purpose, planning for our healing and our wholeness. Jesus echoes this in John 10.10. 10. It says, the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Of course, this doesn't mean that every day is going to be rainbows and, and sunshine, but simply that on our darkest day, that we are not alone. That God is with us. And even when things don't look like they're going to work out, God's still weaving them together for the ultimate purpose of our lives and the purpose of his kingdom overall. That's the promise. A few weeks ago, I ran into a woman in our children's building, a mother, and she pulled me aside. And with tears in her eyes, she reminded me of the story of her adult daughter. I'd known this young woman since she was in sixth grade. She was actually one of the first new classes of sixth graders when I became a youth pastor here back in 1998. And this young woman was uh, singing on our middle school praise team and just living her best life with her girlfriends. And then she transitioned into high school and she fell in with the wrong crowd. And you know the story, what happens when you fall in with the wrong crowd? Pretty soon she found herself addicted to drugs and alcohol and partying became the way of life. And so in early high school, she dropped out completely. Soon she was completely immersed in the party scene. Drugs and alcohol dominated every part of her life. And it was in the midst of that that her three children were born. And still the addiction was so strong that her mother had to step in and take custody of the children. She was in a horrific rollover car accident that almost took her life, and yet still she could not break free. Eventually one thing led to another, and her choices brought her to jail. And in jail, 
she started getting sober. And in jail, she made some choices. She said, I'm gonna cut out all those old party friends completely from my life. She got an AA, she joined a Bible study, and she eventually admitted herself into rehab and became completely sober. This woman then recommitted her life to Christ, and she worked hard to get her kids back, to get custody back, and to get her life back on track. Just a month ago, she graduated uh, cum laude from CMU with a bachelor's degree in geology. And at the commencement, President Marshall mentioned her by name for her academic achievement and for her positive contribution to our local community. Sherry has been singing in our choir and leading a women's group every Sunday at our church. Now here's what I need you to hear. For the better part of 15 years, this mother held on to a promise. She held on to the promise regarding her adult daughter. In particular, she kept repeating to herself that God had a plan for Sherry's life and that plan was to have a future and a hope. And this mama kept on praying kept on hoping, kept on believing that no matter what she was seeing, that what her daughter was living wasn't God's best for her and that somehow God was gonna bring her out of it and God was gonna bring her through it. And so in spite of how things looked, she believed this mama that her daughter would return to the faith and the things that she had learned about God as a child. She believed that God would redeem her life and her story and he has. The stories... The stories I share with you today are literal stories that belong to people right here in the Fellowship Church family. In, and they're actually here in the service this morning. And if you would stand, if I just told your story, if you're the man that was cured of muscular dystrophy, if you're the couple whose life was restored and you had a second chance at love, and if you're the mama and the prodigal that has come home. Would you stand? So these people, these people stand to testify to you today that God keeps his promises. When God said, I will fight for you. When God said, I will hear your prayers. When God said, I have plans for your life. He wasn't kidding. Those aren't just abstract promises somewhere in the Bible. Those are promises that you and I, every one of us in our church family, that we can hold on to, that we can anchor our life to, that we can be confident that if he did it for them, he'll do it for you. And the Bible says in Revelations 12 that they triumphed over him, which meant the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So they're here today to say, this is our testimony. This is our story. Our God keeps his promises and he does not fail. But what if you say, I've tried that already? What if you say, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed, but my marriage is still failing and my kids are still hurting and my finances are still struggling. What if you say, I've done everything I know how to do, but my victory hasn't happened yet. Then I would say to you that you remind me of the father in Mark chapter nine. You see in Mark chapter nine, there's a dad and he's desperate and he's clinging to his little boy who's incredibly sick. And he has no idea how this is gonna work out, but he knows he's heard that there's a healer, that there's a Jesus of Nazareth, and then if he could just get his little boy to Jesus, that maybe somehow, just somehow, 
his son would get a second chance at life. And so the man goes and he can't find Jesus. All he can find is the disciples and the disciples try. They pray over him. They do all the stuff and nothing happens yet. And so there's the dad and he's sitting there. He's done everything he knows how to do and he's disappointed. And he's thinking to himself, is God gonna keep his promise to me? Yeah, sure, he did it for these other guys, but is he going to keep his promise to me? And right about that time, Jesus comes down off the mountain and he sees the stir, the father, the son, and all the disciples and the controversy that's brewing. And Jesus asks the father what's happening. And the father tells him a story, pours out his heart, pours out his hurt, pours out his disappointment, lays it all there at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus answers in Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus looks at him and he reminds him of a promise. It says this in Mark 9, it says, anything is possible if a person believes. That's a great promise, but when you're standing there holding your little boy who's not healed, it could be a little bit like salt in the wound, right? Anything's possible, that's great, Jesus. Anything's possible, that's, that's neat. But right now, no possibilities coming to my kid. No promise right now is being fulfilled in my life. But Jesus doesn't worry about what it looks like. He just says, anything is possible for him who believes because Jesus knows that man's story and that little boy's story is not over yet. This isn't the end, this is still just the middle. And so he reminds him, the father, to hold on, just hold on to that promise. And the father, he gets it because he answers in verse 24, it says, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And isn't that just the truth of each one of us? We believe, but there's also a little bit of doubt. We're confident, but also we're scared. We know God can do it, but we just don't know if he will do it for us. And so this father, from the honesty of his heart, I do believe, but help me, help me, help me with my unbelief. Holding on to a promise that anything is possible for him who believes, but also, why is it taking so long? And why am I holding my limp, sick boy in my hands? And why has my miracle not come? And how long, how long, how long do I hold on to the promise? And that's the mystery of faith, right? We don't know. Randy held on for 183 days. Lynn, Lynn held on for 15 years. 15 years. So some of these promises, they take a long time in coming. And our answer or our response to God is, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. I trust you, but show me how, show me how to, un to hold on. The truth, friends, is each one of us has a day where we don't know how we're gonna make it. But I'll tell you this, if he did it for them, he can do it for you. And so next week, we're gonna dig into part two and we're gonna learn how, how do we actually hold on through these hard times? How do we hold on when we don't see our promise coming? So come back next week for that. But in the meantime, let me pray over you. God, there's a lot of us right here in this room that are holding on by the skin of our teeth, that are wondering how are you gonna come through for us? We believe, but we're scared, we believe, but we doubt at the same time. And Lord, we know that you've done it for them. You did it for people right here in Fellowship Church and, and you'll do it again for us. And so we put our confidence, we put our faith. We know you're capable, we know you're able. And so we ask for breakthrough for every person that's just holding on in this room. We ask that you give them the breakthrough they're waiting for. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We'll see you guys next Sunday morning for the rest of this series. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. 
If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I'll ask you now to be my savior, to be my guide, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text heaven to 94,000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting prayer support to 94,000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text fellowship to 94,000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.